It's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. I am super excited to bring you the guest for this episode, Marissa Nelson. She is a coach, a speaker, an entrepreneur, philanthropist. I mean, she has done a lot of really incredible and extraordinary things. But Marissa has also been through a lot of challenging times in life, like like a lot of people have. But it seems like some people have more challenges than others. And Marissa has really found a way. I mean, she has got a, a fire burning deep within her that just cannot be cannot be stopped. And she really just embodies the gist of what we're trying to do with the podcast here, which is challenge beliefs and revealabilities that make people extraordinary. And she also is a podcaster. Her podcast is called Live Life Rich. She does an extraordinary job of uh, teaching people how to be financially free and emotionally and physically and spiritually and so other many areas of life. And I'm Incredibly interested to get into it with her and maybe just have a little bit of her tenacity rub off on us to uh, help us be better too. Hey, Marissa, thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is super exciting. Thanks for uh, asking me to be on your show. Uh, you're welcome. I don't think you had much of a choice, though. You have a brother that's been on the podcast before, and I don't, I think this was a foregone conclusion or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He literally, the first time he he met you, he calls me, uh, Matthew Filipenko is my my little brother, my baby brother. I call him my big little brother because he's six foot three and I look up when I when I am with him. So yeah. uh, six foot three and built like a house, that guy. Anyway, he uh, he calls me and he says, you've got to go on this podcast. It's so good. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, Matt, you're, you're, you're little, little. Okay, got it. Tap the brakes. It can't be that great. Plus, the guy's kind of crazy anyway. I don't know if he told you any of those things about me. But yeah, this is great. It's been, uh, I've heard a lot about you just through him as well. And you've got a pretty incredible story and you've done some pretty, pretty wild and crazy and tremendous things. So I thought it would be uh, a great fit for what we do here on the podcast. So this is great. Awesome. Well, I, I'm excited to just share some stories. And for all of your listeners out there, you know, this is just us on your living room and your, wherever you're listening from today. Uh, we're super excited to be with you. And I, I hope that you find value in this. But at the end of the day, I hope you know that you are valuable at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And you do you do that. You're a coach, you're a speaker, you're a CEO of seven figure financial institutions or companies and all these <laughs> crazy things that you've done. It's just wildly successful. And there, there will be some pretty interesting stories. But as it is the Ambiguously Blind podcast, we do talk a lot about sight and yeah. sight loss and and we there there's a there's a difference you and i've spoken prior to the record button being lit up here that uh, there is a difference between sight and vision and yeah. and you talk a lot about that on your pod you're also a podcaster too i, I meant, forgot to mention that uh live life yeah. rich so we'll link a we'll have a link to the show in the show notes to your podcast and, and your contact information and stuff too but i want to kind of level set and start with the the, the sight thing um yeah. familiar with your brother matt's Stargard, you're a fellow Star Guardian. Yeah, I I am a fellow Star Guardian. <laughs> so the Star Guardians unite, and I'm I'm really interested in your journey with that. You know, as much or as little as you want to go into with that, we we kind of heard Matt's story 
And um, I think even though Matt is uh, younger than you, he kind of went through those things first. So he might have yeah. been maybe the blueprint or maybe that's why you call him the, he is physically a big little brother, but there, there were some things he went through that maybe you had a, a trek to, to work with or run on. So I'm, I'm curious to see kind of uh, hear you talk about how that started and, and, and the journey through that. Yeah, well, Matt, Matt, I could, I could talk about Matt for days. He is my absolute hero. He is, he is one of the finest human beings on the planet. Even if he was not my brother, I would say that he is one of the finest humans on the planet. And he, uh, when he was in his early twenties, he was going through college and uh, going for technology and all these different things that he had. He's always been a techie guy. He's so good at that stuff. Stuff I hate. <laughs> he loves it. He's so good. He'll nerd out and geek out on it. But you know, Matt, um, if you've heard his story, of course, you know he went he went blind in a very very short period of time, about eighteen months. And uh, our whole family, you know, there's eight kids in our family. Our whole family was like, what the heck is even happening here? And then a few years later, um, I am, and Matt, you know, he's gone, he's taken this to a whole nother level, right? He had, he opened up a, opened up a business called Blind Spot Productions because you have these blind spots with Stargards and just crazy stuff that he's done and super, super professional as a Microsoft employee today, he travels all over the world, speaking, teaching, training. He's uh, an advocate in the world for accessibility with our technology and also around us. So I, I literally could talk for days about him being a hero to us in this world that have eyesight issues, but we have great vision and he has, Matt has great vision. So anyway, when I was um, a few years later after Matt, I was in my thirties, Matt's eight years, my junior in my 30s I start seeing these spots and I was like man this is really weird I maybe need to go get some glasses so I go see the doc eye doctor the eye doctor says now nah, I need to refer you to an ophthalmologist I go see the ophthalmologist the same one that Matt had seen I'm sitting in that same office doctor's office sitting in the exact same chair that Matt received the same news I got which was hey you have stargarts and you're going to go blind and I went, what? Wait, what? Now, keep in mind, I'm a, I'm a financial planner. I'm a solo shop at this point. I have three children. I'm married. I got a big old mortgage. <laughs> I'm freaking out because I've seen Matt's journey, right? And he had to completely reframe and rechange his life. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm hosed. I'm in big trouble here. How am I ever going to do this? And, and by the way, who the crap is ever going to hire a blind financial advisor? Who's going to do that? Right? For real. Let's just be real. Good question. Yeah. Who's going to hire you? So um, I went back and the, the first night I, I went and got a second opinion. We had to go all the way to Minneapolis, which is about eight hours from our hometown in North Dakota. And they said, uh, expect by, by 40, you will be blind. And so you've got only a few years to get it together spent that night on the bathroom floor in that hotel, just bawling my eyes out. Like, why God, why would you let this happen to me? I, I'm a good person, <laughs> you know, and all the things when you go through junk, all the things uh, that at least I anyway have said, maybe, maybe everyone here. Yeah, all the, the whole grieving process. Yeah, sure. It just starts, yeah. it starts and it goes and. Yeah. And at that time, my eyesight was great. I mean, I was, I was like, you know, 2050 and 2060. So I was great. Uh, you know, anyway, so we get, a. I get home, 
I uh, get a hold of some books on leadership, on building a team. I'm like, well, if this is going to happen, this is the one thing I'm good at. I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love helping people uh, with their journey to financial freedom and actually getting results in their life. And so uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a team. And so I got a hold of the materials that I needed uh, from John Maxwell. He's one of the number one leadership authorities in the world. He has some amazing leadership uh, workbooks and books out on the marketplace today. And I built a team. And so from there, um, I had a call with Matt when it, when it really started happening for me, which was a few years ago. And I, you know, went on my merry way and I was 2060 and then I was 2080 and then I was 2100. And you know, you're, you're fine at 2080. It's not a, it's not huge, but when you go to 2600 and you can't see your face, when you look in the mirror, it's weird. That's a big change. Yeah. It's weird. It's just, it's hard. And you, and you go, and I'm a girl and I really, I'm a, you know, I, I wish I could say, I don't care about things like makeup and do I, can you see my gray hair? But I do, I really care about that. And, and I don't want to walk in looking schlumpy into an event or into something. So I called my, I called my brother and I said, Matt, who is going to follow me? Like, who's going to follow someone who's blind? You know, what value do I literally, what value do I even have and bring to the world? Like there's, there's nothing I've got. I can't do this. I can't do it in this way. And maybe I should just do what they're telling me to do, which is, you know, go on disability and, you know, do, do that thing. And you're, you're helpless now. You're, you need help. You need to ask for help in this way. And you need to take advantage of the system now and do the things that you need to do. And for people that are using that, this is, this is a no judgment zone for me. So if you're utilizing things like that, great, you know, take, take advantage of what is working for you. But for me, I just, I couldn't, cause we grew up in poverty. I don't know if Matt told you the story of how we grew up, but you know, we, when my folks got divorced in the late eighties, we moved from a beautiful har- farmhouse in North Dakota to a two bedroom trailer house in Minot, North Dakota. And there was literally no heat that first winter. So my mom had nailed blankets and uh, towels to the to the doors and to the walls, and we had a campfire in the living room. We dug an old brown couch, this old nasty thing, out of the garbage, and that's where mom slept. And then we slept around this kerosene heater. And I remember someone had given us one of those old TVs with the bunny rabbit ears. So if you're old enough, as you're listening to this, if you remember the old TVs with the bunny rabbit ears, and we were watching one of those Save the Children things, and and I said, Mom, we're like we're like poor, huh? Like, but we're not just like a little bit poor. I was 14 years old, but we're not just like a little bit poor. We're like really poor because those people have food and we don't even have food right now. Like we were literally going day by day for food. And my mom did not, she was a proud lady. She didn't want to go on welfare and food stamps back in the day and and do that. And she said, you know what we are, but we're safe and we're together. And you have a decision to make. You can be a victim. Or you can be victorious. What will you choose now? You can be a victim or you can be victorious. What will you choose now? And like, boom, right there in that moment, 14, it stuck with me. And so through all the other challenges that had led later on in my life, that was just kind of the thing that played out over and over again. So, you know, when I went through this Stargard's journey, it was 
you can be a victim or you can be victorious. So I got up and I got the books and I did the thing. But then I realized, man, this is I'm, I'm still in trouble because it's not all coming together right away. It's all not like working. And I called Matt. And I said, Matt, how did how did you do it? And he said, you know, Marissa, you have to remember that people don't follow you because of your eyesight. They follow you because of your vision. They follow you because you're a leader. They follow you because you give purpose and passion and you 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 ignite their values. They follow you because there's something special about people like us. We can change the world. We can make a difference in the world. Regardless of our conditions and circumstances, we can do something. And I remember literally sitting on the phone with my brother just sobbing. And I said, Matt, I don't know if I can. And he said, if I can, you can. So if you're listening to this and you you have a visual impairment today, if you have low vision or or some form of blindness today, if we can, you can. There's something in you. If we can, you can. Yeah, that's powerful. Matt was talking about that with the uh, rollover or rise up thing mm-hmm. that, that, that he was talking with me about. And um, your mom's sentiment there, the victim or victorious, I think is what you said, is uh, yeah. that's power too. That's There's a... That's some good people you've had around you to help show you those things. Yeah, it's, you know, you, we, we all need a coach. We all need a mentor. We all need a cheerleader. We all need someone around us that says, hey, I know you're having a rough day today, but tomorrow's coming. And this day may not be exactly what you want it to be. But I, <clears throat> I remember when um, in 2016, well, let me go back. Uh, I had gone on past that, started some businesses, uh, had some successes in those areas. Things were going really well. Uh, and you know, before this, uh, I, I, I was one of those kids, those trailer court kids, those girls looking for love in all the wrong places. So for all of you daddies in the world, if you want to, want to pay attention to this part, (laughs) I, I just really hope you do, uh, your relationship with your daughter is everything. It's everything. You will speak life or death into her. You will you will be the person that can be the difference maker for who she becomes because of her relationship with you. And our dad was gone. Uh, he was absent. And um, and so, you know, mom worked providing for these eight kids, right? And so I went looking for love in all the wrong places, got pregnant at 17, had my first baby at 18, and moved two doors down from my mother in that trailer court. Uh, with the brand new baby. And I looked at this baby girl, her name is Lexi. And uh, now she's 30. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll tell you a little something about how long ago this was. But uh, I looked at this baby girl, and she became really the catalyst for me in starting a business. I said, you, you're not going to live this, this life. You're not, you're not going to live poor. You're not going to live in a place of want and need. And wondering, you know, do we have heat? Do we have lights? You just aren't, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen to you. And so I got really, really good in the insurance industry. I had started my aunt, um, my aunt Donna was in the insurance industry and she called me and she said, Hey, um, you want to make some money? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, you want to make some appointments and set some appointments for me when I come to town. So she gave me this whole old card box, this index box of cards and said, Hey, call these people, set appointments. And I said, well, how many appointments do you want set? And she said, as many as you can get. She said, you'll probably only get a few. And I said, okay. I said, how much do I get for each appointment I set? She's like, well, I can't just pay you to be on the phone. So I'm going to pay you per appointment that you set. I said, oh, 
So I have to get an appointment before I get paid. Is that what you're telling me? She said, yeah, <laughs> you have to get an appointment. So I took this index box and um, started just smiling and dialing. I was thinking that. Thing. Yeah. Smile and dial. Yep. Cold, cold. Smile and dial. With this love script. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I would literally load her up from 8 a.m. in the morning. And her last one is it was at 9 p.m. And I would load her up for 45 minute phone call or 45 minute meetings and 15 minutes. Every, she had 15 minutes to get from one appointment to the next all day long. So, you know, I'm I'm making bank in my mind. I'm making bank. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, 60 bucks a day for me back in the day. Sixty dollars a day was like, wow, that's so much money. Yeah. And so she come down for three days, three days at a time. And I make 180 bucks. And I was so excited. And one day she comes to me and she says, hey, you're pretty good at this. I think you should try your hand at, at in, you know, going into insurance sales. And I said, wait, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, what is it? What do I have to do? So she brings this big, huge stack of books and she says, well, you got to study all these books. And then once you get the insurance licensing, then we can hire you. So I set off with the books, uh, go through the licensing process, take all my tests. Yep. License, call her back. I am 19 years old and they uh, have a rule. Uh, I'm just, just shy of my 20th birthday. Uh, they have a rule. They will not hire you unless you're 21 through their insurance company at the time. So I'm like, wait a minute. So then I start smiling and dialing for insurance companies. Hey, will you hire? Do you have a do you have a rule about how young your people can be? Hey, will you hire me? I'm licensed, and uh, I got a I got an old uh, fraternal back. If you're an insurance person, you'll know what that means. I've got an old fraternal company to hire me, and they sent out a slimy producer guy uh, who was my manager, and he said, "Oh, honey, you're so cute. You're so sweet. I can help you." I can help you, you know, overcome this and I can help you get really good. And I said, okay, great. And, and he said, you know, so you just meet me, meet me in the hotel lobby. And we went and we sat in the hotel uh, restaurant and puts his hand on my knee and says, Hey, you know, a, a pretty smart girl like you, you just got to learn how to play the game. And, you know, if we can be friends, I can help take you places and I, I can help you really succeed. And I said, are you, are you asking me what I think you're asking me? And he said, well, you know, we just want to be good friends. And I said, uh, dude, I, I literally got up and I said, uh, I'm going to be good. And I'm going to get so good that one day I'm going to tell this story over and over and over about you, this slime ball old guy <laughs> that is preying on women like me in the industry. Now, keep in mind, when I went in, it was like 17% of the industry was women. So it was really, really not very many. And but after that, I, I just said, I, I don't need you. And I found other mentors and I found other coaches and people that could help me through. And I asked a lot of questions and I built off of that five dollars. I built a firm from there uh, into financial services and did wealth management. And from there we did tax planning and from there we did legal planning. And we now have a holistic planning firm uh, that is a multi-million dollar you know, debt-free organization. And it's, um, you know, 30 years running, we have thousands and thousands of clients around the world. And it's been a, a, a journey that I could never even imagine. But I, I get to tell that story now about the old slime ball <laughs> who uh, wanted to exchange services. And mm -hmm. I just say, you know what, regardless, regardless of your conditions and circumstances, we have a choice and you can be a victim or you can be victorious, like my mom had said. And it rang out in my head then, that was really the start of what led me to everything we're doing now.
Yeah, okay. So I'll back up a little bit. You just fast forwarded through a lot of things there. You mentioned the $5 thing, <laughs> but you didn't really preface what the $5 thing was. Yeah. And and it's interesting in the insurance world. Um, that's pretty interesting. So this is in, in life insurance, I'm guessing. Was that yeah. where it started? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Life insurance sales. So whole life policies kind of thing. Um, yeah. When we, when I started, that was whole life policies back in the day, you know, 30 years ago, it was whole life or term uh, and then some universal life. But I quickly moved from, from then I had gone to a few meetings and uh, I started with this with my aunt and for the, for $5, literally, this is where I started was making phone calls, setting her appointments. And then uh, really just being tenacious to say, I, I need to get hired because I've, I've spent time, energy and money uh, getting licensed. And I, I need to do something with it because I got a baby I got to feed. And so that then led me to anything I could get my hands on for information, leadership, sales, training, connection, communication. You know, there's many, many forms of communication. There's a an old quote by a guy by the name of Zig Ziglar. Uh, so if you're a personal growth person, you probably might have oh, yeah. heard of it Those before. Are, yeah. yeah, you know, and his his quote was, I, I went to the library. They had this thing. For all the millennials that are listening right now, there's this thing called a library. If you go there, they give you a card. And then you can check out books for free. Free, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, crazy. For free. You do have to bring yeah. them back, though. But they're, yeah. You, you do. You do. Yeah. It's not like you're kidding. It's part of the deal. Right, yeah. So I would go to the library and I get these books on sales, on leadership, on training, on communication, you know, that type of stuff. And I got this book from Zig Ziglar and I start listening to these guys like Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and the greats, right? And Zig said, if you help enough people get what they want, you can have your heart's desire. And my desire was to take care of my baby girl and get us out of that trailer park. And my desire was to at that time, I didn't even know about my eyesight. Had no idea we had this in our family. Uh, it was just, hey, I need to, I need to figure out the math behind my life. You mentioned there was eight kids, eight of um, you. I know you and Matt, and he didn't mention any other siblings. So, was anybody yeah. else affected with Star Guards? Yeah, I have another sister that has it. Her sister, you know, the the sister's story is a little bit more challenging because uh, she's just not. Well, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to face things that are are life changing, right? There's life, there's stuff that we go through that's life changing. So uh, only Matt and I really talk about it in our family because of that situation, and and it's just uncomfortable for her. So yeah, but there's eight of us, and uh, there's three older ones. Then there's me, uh, and then uh, Matt's the baby. So. I'm I'm the first one of the second batch. My mom refers to us like cookies. There was eight kids in our family. Her <laughs> husband, <laughs> true story. Uh, and then you wonder why I got a weight issue. Come on, mom, come on. <laughs> when when I messed up at cheerleading and didn't actually make the squad in high school, we went for French fries. And then you wonder why my thighs look like this. Okay, <laughs> thanks, mom. Anyway, but she gave me the victim victorious thing, so we're we're gonna not hold it against her. Anyway, just have a little fun. Uh, but there's there is eight kids in our family and only only one other family member of the five kids bloodline related have been affected. Only three of us out of the five. Just to back up a little further, too, on the Star Guards thing, what took you to that doctor's appointment? Were there things happening that you could notice that? Yeah. And, and because of Matt's experience, was that part of it or uh, how, yeah. how did that work? 
So I was, um, I was doing a lot of computer work. I was building out financial plans for people. I was reading documents and I started seeing spots and I couldn't, I, I was like, why am I seeing these spots? And my vision just wasn't as good. And, um, and so I thought I needed glasses. I, it didn't even occur. It literally did not even occur to me that this might be a genetic thing. I mean, when we, when Matt was diagnosed, there was zero conversation with our family about, hey, this is a genetic disorder um, and we should all be tested, yada, yada, yada. There was nothing like that, nothing. And we come from small town, North Dakota. So, you know, the the ophthalmologists in our area see maybe, you know, one in a lifetime, not, not this, right? Mm-hmm, and it, yeah. so they referred us to Minneapolis and then that's when we realized, okay, this is, this is a genetic disorder. This is something that could be in our children even. And um, yeah, so that's what took me to that doctor's office that day. You know, I I had no idea. I I literally walked in thinking, they're just going to give me a prescription. I'm going to walk out and I'm going to be, I'm going to be golden here. And then the doctor said, I, I, you need to go to Minneapolis because we, we aren't even equipped to give you the right information about this. And then that was a few weeks later when I was in Minneapolis and had this lady doctor sat me down and said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry to tell you, but this is going to be your situation. And it was almost like she was giving me a death sentence. When I sat in that, it was a dark room. And if you've gone through some of the tests for uh, eyesight tests, you know, it, they, they do everything but stick needles in your eyes. And sometimes they do that too. And it was uh, just, a, you know, you have a terrible headache and then they're telling you this news and and she said, you, you've got to get it. you got to get it together quickly if you're going to do something or or not. And she's like, there are many things that you can do. You can go on disability and blah, blah, blah. And I, I went, I, and all, and it felt like a Charlie Brown special, you know, when you hear the teacher in the background that goes, bop, 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 bop. you know, that, that Charlie Brown special with yep. the teacher. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't even focus on it. And so that led me to the phone call with Matt later, which was help, help me. Like, because he had already been through all of that and he was on the other side of, okay, it's, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to do this together. And, and I got your back and we are the closest of our siblings. Uh, We share this thing in common that is, um, you know, it's a, it's something unless, unless you have been through it or you're going through it, you can't really describe it. And People don't understand it, you know, it, and it's hard for other family members. It's hard for the people around you. Uh, it, it, it was hard for my team. It was hard for my staff a few years ago when I, when I got to the level I'm at now, where I was like every client event we would walk into. Have you, have you seen that movie, The Devil Wears Prada? I haven't. No, it didn't seem like my, my kind of, my kind of movie really, but and it's, it's, a, it's definitely a chick film. Okay. It's a chick, but film. I think I know where you're going with this. I, I'm aware of it. Yeah. So, so, you know, she's got these assistants and they literally stand beside her and whisper in her ear, the people's names as they're coming in. I have an event in two weeks with about a thousand people coming and I, I literally will have a person on my right and a person on my left with the names of the people as they're approaching, as I'm going through a reception line. Yeah. But the, the devil wears Prada. She's too good for all that. I mean, she's, she doesn't have a disability or she doesn't. (laughs) <laughs> Not because she can't see him, it's because she doesn't have time to consort yeah. with these types of people, right? So it's a little, little different scenario, probably, right? 
Yeah, it's a little different. But I can I can certainly see where if somebody doesn't know that about you, right? Yeah. They, they don't know. And so that's kind of where the name of the podcast here comes from, Ambiguously Blind, because they're looking at you and they don't know that. And they see this and they're like, oh, yeah, there's uh, I've seen this movie before. I don't I don't I don't know if I want to be with this this person. This is this is crazy. So I can yeah, I can relate. And now the, it was also very difficult just to have that conversation to tell people because I this happened to me. Matt's happened really early on in life. Mine happened, you know, in my 40s, right? So I had already been established in the financial world. I'd already been established in my job. I'd already been established in many things that I was doing uh, in different companies that I own. And 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 then I had to I had to change how I was doing things with clients. So instead of me being the person that sat across the table and took care of those individual things for them, I had I had team members and I had built that as part of our system for many years. So it wasn't a huge transition, but I had several clients that were very, very upset. They're like, why is she not my person anymore? And making that call and saying, Hey, even now it's, it's hard for me. It really, it's really hard. And there are, there are anger moments that I go through when, um, in fact, just recently with Matt's with Matt's wife, we were talking about this. She said we had gone to this conference, and you know, so many people there had uh, a, had a cane, had a stick, and uh, they wear their glasses so that people understand because you don't look blind. We don't look like blind people, right? We don't we don't wear dark. We're not Stevie Wonder, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah. that's that's what people think blind people are or low vision. They right? they they think you got a stick and some glasses and. Um, and so, you know, we'll go to places and, or I'll bump into someone or, you know, from, from time to time, my, my depth perception can get really challenged. Or I did a podcast, a video podcast one day, which was a YouTube podcast, the whole thing. And I had accidentally swiped my face, my finger across my face and rubbed my mascara all the way up the middle of my forehead. And my entire team is trying to get a hold of me. Well, I'm locked in a closet doing this thing, right? So nobody, all the devices are off. Nobody's getting a hold of me unless you walk in the door. And it's live. It's, it is broadcasting live. And the guy on the other hand didn't say anything. The guy, he didn't know, right? Until I get into the story and then he realizes, holy crap, this lady's blind. She can't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I can't see it. You know, I, right. I can see parts of your face when I look around long enough and parts of my face when I look around long enough, but it's hard to tell people that. And it's, it's uncomfortable for many people because they don't really know what to say. They don't know how to react to you differently. And so anyway, I go back to this story with the the cane and my sister-in-law. She said, maybe you should consider, you know, you know, getting one of those and, and having those so that people just understand, Hey, you're not, you're not doing this to be an ass. (laughs) You're not, you're not being rude or you just, or people I'd walk down the mall and I wouldn't see them and they'd wave to me and they'd be like, well, who does she think she is? Yeah. The things that you're describing are things that, I mean, this minus the mascara, I haven't had that problem before, but, um, yeah, (laughs) everything else is, yeah, verbatim that this is, this is the way it is. Yeah. So how do you tell them? You know, how do you, do you, do you just go out and say on a big stage, Hey, by the way, I'm blind. And now, now I do at the end of most of my speeches, I do multiple keynote speeches on, you know, that on different topics. And I, I speak on finance as well as motivational and inspirational keynotes and educational keynotes. But at the end of the day, 
you know, it really does come down to when you, when you are really well adapted and you're really, really well equipped, uh, it's hard for people to recognize that you even have this visual impairment. I, I was signing documents the other day. I told at the accountant's office, they had a new person there. And I said, can you just put your finger right there? And I said, do I need to sign big or small? And she said, I don't even know what you're saying. Like <laughs> I said, I have a visual impairment. I know I don't look blind, but I literally cannot see anything you're putting in front of me. So if you could just put your finger there and then I'll sign. But the question is, do I need to sign big or small? How big is the space that I need to sign in? But stuff like that, just, you know, uh, or I'll write over something, you know, two thing, two, three times over. And, and they're like, you already wrote on that. And well, yeah, but I can't see it because I literally can't see any of that. Well, I might be able to help you on the signing thing. I gave up on that a long time ago. I just signed, I have a standard one. I just doesn't matter. And I can, I can even see that it's too big or too, usually it's too, I just go big and just, you know, go big or go home, just sign it. <laughs> if there's a problem, then, then they'll tell me and they'll redo it or something. But you know, you yes. mentioned when do you tell people and how do you tell people? And yeah. that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I, I felt like I, I needed to tell more people. And yeah. you're talking about being in front of 10 people, 50 people, 1,000 people and, and yeah. giving that message. That's fantastic because you just told 1,000 people at one time, right? Yeah. The challenge is the one person, one at a time, you're standing mm -hmm. in line at Starbucks and there's 50 cups on the thing and you don't know which one's yours because your name's on it. And you got to have this conversation with the barista before or they, the person's not there that you told you couldn't see it. And then you got to So then there's somebody standing their way. You know, those are the ones that are more challenging. And I don't yeah. really have an answer for when to have those and when not to have those. And there have been lots of occasions where I've I've missed people like, right, you know, when I go places, you, you go to an office, you go, places you go regularly. Um, that you expect to see certain people there, right? So like you go to your office and Bob and Jill are always at your office, right? And they always sit in about the same place. So you walk into your office, you see a, a person presumably sitting at a desk. That's where Bob sits. It's Bob, right? Hey, Bob. And then you see Jill. Hey, Jill. But then you go to the grocery store and Bob's there. I don't expect to see Bob at the grocery store. So I can walk right by Bob and Bob's like, I think that's a big jerk. He doesn't even say hi to me. He says hi to me at work, right. but not at, you know, any other place really. So those are the things that part of the reason why the podcast exists for me is just to have the conversations about somewhat trying to normalize those things or let other people know it's really not that awkward for me, but I feel like it's awkward for them and yeah. they don't really know what to ask or how to, I think you said this too, like how to act or react and yeah it's really not a big deal and, and we'll let you know if we need help for the most part. Right. Yes. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to like talk louder or, <laughs> you know, or talk to me like I'm in kindergarten or anything. Treat me like a baby. Right. Yeah, I, I will tell you fiercely independent. I will want to bust your chops if you do that. Right. So you don't have to do those things, but just, just to kind of normalize those things. And yeah, I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm still, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for as far as how to let individual people know, because we can certainly relate to the ambiguity part of, of the vision thing and that most people don't understand it. I don't really understand all of it anyway. Um, yeah. It's a learning experience. And oftentimes I don't know what I can and can't see until I can and can't see it kind of thing. Right. So right. I'm working through those things in real time and in real life too. So it's, you know, I, it's, 
I just keep going back to the word ambiguous because that's the name of the podcast. But I'm trying to make more clear the ambiguity of vision loss, vision impairment, the spectrum, all that stuff. And that's why we're chatting here. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I travel a lot. Um, so most of the time I have someone traveling with me, but not all the time. And so that's been a, a real challenge. You know, there's certain airports I know I've memorized, literally I've memorized Minneapolis airport. Cause I, I know I'm always going through that airport, but Atlanta for me is a nightmare. So I was recently challenge, uh, traveling. I was traveling with my two-year-old and three-year-old grandchildren uh, by myself. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on a 13 hour trek to get them from North Dakota to Florida. Just, just by itself. That's, that's a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a good time. If you got kids, this is a good time. Uh, pack snacks. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but finding the right bathroom to go mm -hmm. into a bathroom. Oh yeah. You're going to have to do that. I mean, cause if you're by yourself, you, you just, I mean, this was me. I just hold it. Right. I mean, yeah. it's inconvenient to go to the bathroom, especially on an airplane. So I'll fight through that. But the two-year-old's not going to, the three-year-old's not going to fight through that. That is, that's going to be a mess waiting to happen. So yeah, you oh, got to get to the bathroom. It was a bad day. It was yeah. a rough day. But then the gate assist didn't show up, right? So, and I literally said to the, and I, I fly Delta all the time and, you know, thank God for Delta. I'm platinum with these guys. So you got a little, little bit of better experience. I think sometimes when you have a little bit of status with those folks. and. Um, the flight attendant came and she said, okay, I, I understand. Uh, so you, are you the gal that is, do you have a visual impairment? And I said, like, yep, she's looking at you I like, do. Really? Are you sure? Yeah. And, and then she's like, and you're flying with a two-year-old and a three-year-old. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, so we get off the plane and they didn't show. And this same flight attendants are standing there. We're like the last ones off the plane in Atlanta and we have to catch the next flight. And I said, listen, I, there's no way I can make it to my gate with a two-year-old and three-year-old and blind. I just can't. Like, I, I literally, I need help. Someone has got to help me. And if I get stuck overnight in Atlanta with these babies, we're going we're gonna to have a real problem. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a, a real challenge. And so uh, they, they took, you know, they took pity on me that moment. They were supposed to be going home at the end of their shift. And they lived in Atlanta. And they said, we're going to walk you to the next gate. And we're, you know, we're so sorry the gate didn't show up, but you know, it's, it's those moments where sometimes you literally just have to say, literally, I, I need your help. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten way past the ego of that now to say, these are, these are certain things. I just need your help. And I, I've been very fortunate. My daughter works with me and she travels with me often and she does my makeup for me. She goes in and goes, mom, that looks bad. Or we got to fix that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's make this better. <laughs> you know, or mom, uh, it's time to redo your hair again. Oh shoot. Okay. So I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the silver. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, mom, we gotta, we gotta fix that. So, you know, if you got people around you that can be just encouraging, but also be, here's the part about Danielle for me, this is my 22 year old daughter. She never treats me like I'm disabled. And I, I think there's a, there's a thing to that when you, when you go through some type of a challenge like this. For, maybe it's just ego. Maybe I'm the only one, right? Maybe I'm the only one who feels like this. But, you know, my whole life I've been fighting for stuff, for things to grow, to build, to become, to, you know, my whole life. That, that's been our story since the time we were kids. We were just 
we came from poor and we've worked really hard our whole lives to not be victims. And you get to this point and now you're like, well, wait a minute. I get to this point, it means nothing anyway, because I'm losing it all, right? And just, ah, everything's slipping away. And, you know, when you're in that place, the question I ask myself now is, you know, am, am I living a life worthy of the calling I've received? Because I, I do believe, I really do believe that we're not just given challenges for no reason. We're not just, those challenges aren't just allowed for no reason. I really do believe that life didn't happen to me. I truly believe that life happens for me. I truly believe, like when I get up every day, regardless of the conditions and circumstances, life happens for me. Uh, I, years later, um, met just an amazing human being. Uh, I had been married for many years, got divorced, thought, okay, well, then I'll be done with this now. And uh, found just an amazing man that uh, I loved. Uh, so much. And he, he was an ex army ranger. His name was James met him in 2015, uh, 14, pardon me. And in 2015, he called me, I was a concert, I'm a conservative person. And he, he lived in his house. I lived in mine. And, and I, he calls me and he says, uh, I can't walk. I said, babe, I can't walk. I said, what do you mean you can't walk? And, um, run over to his house. I was still driving. Uh, it, 2015 was very close to the end of my driving and drove over, picked him up, picked this six foot three built like a brick house guy on my back, ex army ranger, take him to the hospital. And a few hours later, they tell us he's full of cancer mm. and we get airlifted to Minneapolis to the same hospital, by the way, that diagnosed me. We're in the same hospital, not the same wing or same area, but same hospital that diagnosed the Stargards and and we spend the next three months just, you know, fighting for his life. And near Christmas time, we take him home. And as I'm praying over him, it was Christmas Day. He gave me one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. Um, I'm a person of faith, so I'm not here to convert anyone. I'm just, this is, I'm just telling my story. So mm -hmm. everybody take a deep breath on the other side. I'm just <laughs> not converting anyone. I'm just telling my story. You're good. But I, uh, I was... I was praying over him and I was like, please, God, just send us a miracle. I, you know, we've, we've gone through so many struggles and he has, he's been transformed. He came out of Iraq, out of three tours there as a sniper and just the demons that he carried with him, the things that he had to do in this role that he, he was in. Uh, he's healed of that now. And he, he's a, you know, he's a believer and he's in, he's just, he's lit up, he lights up the world around him. And I'm praying over him and crying and he lifts his face, my face in his hands. And he says, baby, you keep praying for a miracle. But I already got my miracle the day that I found you. I found my faith in Jesus. I know where I'm going. And you were born to change the world. So I need you to make a promise. I need you to promise me something. And I said, I'll, I'll promise you anything. And he said, I, I need you to make a promise that you're going to get up every day and live. You're going to truly live. You're going to live for the rest of your life. You're going to live and you're going to never waste a day. And I promised him Christmas Day, uh, 2015. He said, yeah, I, I, will, I will live. I will never waste a day. I won't, I won't take a single day for granted. And I will be grateful. 
Uh, and I've, you know, a few weeks later, I had to say goodbye to him uh, for now. That's a for now. Uh, Cause I know where he, no, I know where he's at. We're good. <laughs> yeah. But since that time, it's, it's just, these are decisions we make. We've got turning points in our life that these are decisions we make in this moment. Like, who are you going to be and what will you choose? Will I choose to be bitter or not? Will I choose to keep my promise or not? Will I choose to get better or not? Will I choose to grow or not? Will I choose a victim or victorious life? Which will I choose? And that's been really a theme my whole life. Um, so Stargarts is just another one of those stories in the process. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that when you, when you go through whatever your version of blindness that has that you're dealing with in your life or someone you love like if you're listening and maybe this isn't you but someone you love there is a there's a process to it there's grieving and there's things that you, you just got to do life a little bit different and i i fought it really really hard up until this last few years where now i've got you know some of those dots on my you know I've I've dots on certain things in my kitchen now. Okay, here's the dang button that I can find on my microwave for add thirty seconds. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) thank God, right? Mm -hmm. And enter my little brother again. Enter Matt. He he comes over. He's like, okay, enough of this. Seriously, you're magnifying everything, and it takes you twenty five minutes to get anything in the microwave. You're making me crazy. Just put the dot. Okay, Matt, got it. Put the dot. Um, So. It definitely is a journey. Yeah. But I, I know we you've gone through it too. And you've you've gone through it. Yeah. And even without vision, just in life. I mean, you've you've mentioned some life journeys. You know, the vision thing is just one of them for you. And yeah. people have their own version of star guards or or their upbringing or or disease and things that I mean, that's that's life. Some some have it better than others and another person I can remember a uh, church. I'm a Christian as well, so I'm a I'm a fan of Jesus. Okay, so we're good here anyway, you and me. But uh, I can remember one of the the, the best preachers I uh, had ever listened to. Uh, his name is Mark Craig at Highland Park United Methodist Church in Dallas, and he gave great sermons and powerful messages. But you just you were talking about several things there about I can do this or I can do that. I can do this. I can be this way. I can be that way. And you mentioned two of the words that one of the great sermons he did was you can get bit, you can be bitter or you can be better. Yeah. And I, I, those you've mentioned bitter and better. And I, I thought of that immediately. And that's, that's there, there are places where you can go for inspiration, regardless of what's going on in your life. There are people that have done it. There are people that are doing it. And there are people that need to know that those things are happening and that there is hope in the world. And, um, Another again, another reason why why we got you here because that's that's what we're doing, and also I think you talk about that a lot too, or maybe more specifically in financial. But you've mentioned that you you're going to live every day, but you also want to live life rich, right? Yeah. And yep. tell me a little bit about that in the podcast. It, it doesn't necessarily mean monetarily, financially yeah. rich, but what is what's the podcast all about? One of the reasons I started the podcast is because in the financial services world, I'm really censored, right? Like you can't say this and you can't say that. And I just said, forget it. I, I, I want to be able to live it authentically. I wanted to be able to speak authentically to my clients, to the people around me, to educate, to empower, to equip, to inspire, to do those things. And so the podcast for me was just me being able to sit with the people uh, that I interact with every day 
and, and be able to speak out the things that I believe are needed for you to live a rich life. And for me, I define that a rich life as emotionally rich. Like how does, how do you feel when you look in the mirror? Cause I went through uh, a season of my life when I went through my divorce, I, I was married for 21 years. I thought I'll, I'll always be married for the rest of my life. I'll be married to this guy and it'll be, you know, I raising my kids in the church and I'm doing, I'm doing everything in, in quotation, right? Right. In quotation marks. Now I'm doing everything right. Mm-hmm. But woke up one day and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Wait, what? Uh, oh, by the way, I also have a girlfriend for two years. Wait, what? Mm, <laughs> what? Geez. Geez. Holy crap. And, and, you know, then my 16 year old daughter catches them and it was a, it was a really terrible time for me. So I know what it's like to be emotionally broken, to look in the mirror, to be 60 pounds overweight, to hate who you are and and go, you are not enough. You are not worthy. No wonder he left you. No wonder he's got a girlfriend. No wonder. Right. And so that's not emotionally rich. You know, today I look in the mirror and I go, Man, I am equipped. I am called. I am sourced. I am resourced. I am beautiful. I am smart. I am strong. And my am my IMs are clear. Like I have great IMs today. This is who I am. And you can't never again will I let anything, a circumstance, a condition, or an individual, a person, tell me who I am. Never again. I know who I am. I know who I am and whose I am. That's emotionally strong. That's looking in the mirror and saying, no matter what hits me today, by God, give me your best shot because I'm going to get up and I'm going to get up twice as hard and twice as strong every time you knock me down. Every yeah, you time. are. Yeah, I, I can sense that. I, you got a fire burning than you. I got it. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> you you want to set me over there. Let's just talk here. Let's get this done. <laughs> Let's get this place. Yeah. And, and the same thing with relationships, right? The same thing with relate. You want rich relationships. You want your your children and your mate and your loved ones around you to go, man, they're my hero. You know, I look at my brother today. He's my hero. He's my absolute. You, you could say, hey, spend a day with, you know, fancy public figure or spend a day with my little bro, Matt. All day long, I'm choosing my little bro, Matt. Every day. And and, and those are things where, man, you, you can't write a check for relationships like that. You can't. So. Emotionally rich, relationally, relationally rich relationships, spiritually. Uh, again, I know whose I am. I know who I am. I know who I represent, and I know the power within me. It's given to me. It flows in, through, and to me. So, those are some things where I have a connection today. And if you don't have that connection, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, you want to have a connection like that because it, it's a it's a it's a great place on the other side of this. It is not with it is not in perfection though. I will say it, it, it's not always easy, right? That's not the easy part, but it's an intentional life is living living it by design, living it by design and not by default. So emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, I'm working on that one. Man, I, I do love brownies. <laughs> and I and I and I don't work out as much as I should. But I'm doing the best I can. And when I look at myself today, I want to take good care of my, I want to take good care of my body. I want to take good care of me. I want to make great decisions so that I can be here to mentor my great grandchildren, that I can make a difference in the world, right? For as long as 
the Lord sees fit to have me on the planet. I want to, I want to be in the very best shape I can to be ready for the call that he gives me. A couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm climbing a volcano in Costa Rica as a blind person. And people are like, you did what? You went up a mountain trail, uh, you climbed through a jungle. Like, what were you thinking? I was thinking it'd be a really good time. Yeah, that sounds kind of fun. Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it's an adventure. And and I'm gonna go suck the marrow out of the bones of life, baby. Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and then financially rich, right? Like, we gotta get good at money. Uh biblically, there's a thing that we, you know, when you talk about this, this is one of the things that is talked about most fear and money are the two biggest topics uh, in the scriptures. And, and I know that this is a, an Achilles heel for many people. So, you know, understanding how to master that and not have it master you, the love of money, right. Is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of it. But I believe God has given me a, just a, an abundance in this area. And the more that flows through and to me, flows out through me to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. I absolutely believe that. And so, you know, today there are hundreds of women in sewing schools in Costa Rica in a foundation that uh, several of us came together to start and are, are the recipients of that. There are people around the world that can sleep better when you do better financially, when the things that have been put into you for the passions your family, when you know that you can protect them and provide for them and, and be a provider for them. That's, that's huge. And that's a hard, hard topic for many, many people. So there's five core areas of life that when I look at those today, these are the places that I want to be most rich in. And yeah, I, I start there and I can't be good until I'm good with me. And I don't want to be good for people that see me on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or social media. I want to be good for the people that would be surrounding me if I was sick, if I was hurt. I want to be I want to be good for the people that are going to have Thanksgiving with me in a few weeks. And they're they're going to probably eat, you know, something I burned and they're going to love me anyway. <laughs> they're going to love me anyway. Yeah. That's powerful. And there's a lot more powerful messaging and things in your podcast. Marissa, you are extraordinary. And you've, mm. I wasn't even aware of half of the extraordinary that we uh, just uncovered here. So it's been a lot of fun. And again, I encourage people to check out Live Life Rich. I'll link to it below. Any other places we should find Marissa out there? Yeah. If you, if you go to marissanielsen.com, I've got several free resources I leave on my website and you can go to the storefront there, but the podcast is the best way. I, I almost every podcast give away some type of resource to help you in life, whether it's 360 degree coaching and mentoring or leadership. Uh, if it's uh, wealth management, it's all sorts of different things that I talk about on there. And, and I have great guests on that do the same. So I, I want you to live a rich life. And before you, before we go here, I just, for anybody who's listening, this didn't happen by accident. I, I want you to know there's 10,000 places you could have been and been doing many things in this moment, but you chose this podcast for a reason. There was something today in my story, in John's, in, in his guests for his podcast, there's something in there that resonates in your heart. It resonates in your soul and it, and there's a reason you came here today. 
So I, I hope that you you take that and you keep going on that journey and asking the right question to say, why is that? And how how can I live a rich life? How can what is it about me that's special and unique? Because you have something in you. You you have something in you that's special and unique. And you didn't you didn't just find this on accident or hear this one by accident or oh I accidentally turned in today, but oh it seemed interesting. Nah. It was by it was by design you were here in this moment. So I want to thank you, John, for being an encourager and an inspiring human that helps people in this area because what we're what we're going through, what we are um, embracing and and living with, is uh, is not easy. So blessings to you and your family, and your life and your business. And I, I wanted to say thank you, thank you, for allowing me to share my story. I'm I'm so grateful. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.